0: Playbook Podcast. I'm your host Bill Hulster, here with Keith Myers. Good afternoon, Keith.
1: Good afternoon, Bill. It's um, it's regular season time. We are actually, oh gosh. we are actually going to have football on the television this weekend. Yeah, I know. You ready and for college?
0: It? College started a little bit this last weekend. I didn't see anything because I was just kind of busy. But uh, yeah, I'm totally ready for it, man. I mean, I was ready for it uh, in April. Uh, after the draft, you know that's usually when the mini camps start. Shortly thereafter, uh, and then you get into the, you know the the vets come in and and uh, there's just nothing. There's been nothing, and even the regular training camp time, I we just saw a little bit of footage of guys warming up in the live broadcast that dot com put on, and then we've been listening to other people's reports about what players look good and what players don't, who's doing what and so forth and so on. And that's it. I mean, w- this is about as in the dark as I've been since the invention of the internet. Um, <laughs> and, I, and, and that's like, what, 1990, not the invention, but when I got my personal computer, like 92, 93, something in there, I've had access to more information than I had prior to that. Now, as, when training camp, um, when you could go to training camp a little easier, and I've been over to Cheney a few different times uh, back in the day, um, and over to Renton a couple times and um those are always awesome but i haven't since i've lived out of the area uh, it's it's nearly impossible so i've been counting on guys like you <laughs> to, to be my eyes and, and ears and uh and but this year's on a completely different level of in the dark
1: yeah it's been it's been weird it's just there's been no there's been no preseason games um you can't like we can't go to practice uh at at um at the vmac this year it's just it seems unreal that there's going to be games well there's going to
0: be games on thursday you know so just two days a couple days um it's going to be like uh waking up on christmas morning you know you wake up on christmas morning there's stuff under the tree you haven't seen before and everybody's excited and uh that's what it's going to be because we, we have known quantities. I mean, there's a lot of vets on this roster. And there's a lot of guys that have played on other people's rosters. And uh, there will be some some rookies. There will be some uh, contributions from rookies. And we can talk about those today a little bit. Um, but for the most part, we kind of know what these players are expected to do. and I, You know, the Seahawks have kind of approached that as well. I It seems to me like there will just be a very small handful of rookies that will have An impact over the first couple weeks of the season. Uh, You might see a guy like DJ Dallas get in on some passing downs and catch a couple uh, passes out of the backfield. Uh, We all know that you're going to see Alton Robinson. He's going to take those Daryl Taylor snaps at the backup uh, or in a rotation uh, situation at defensive end. Um, You're going to see some Jordan Brooks out there, I would imagine, at some point uh, taking uh, some snaps away from K.J. Wright. Um, maybe Freddie Swain, but I don't know if he even suits up on game day. Uh, what else, Keith? I mean, who else well, is there? Oh, actually, Damian Lewis at uh, right guard.
1: Right? Um, yeah. I mean, Damian Lewis is, is there, he's probably going to start. Um, and the, uh, you know, Alton Robinson, uh, at defensive end, like those are the two guys that I would expect to get, uh, major playing time. And then um, Freddie Swain, I do actually think is going to get some get some uh, snaps because you know at there when they team set the fifty three man roster, it had two slot receivers on it, and now it's got one, um, which uh, with a move that happened today, not just today but just a few minutes ago, um, and we will you know discuss that here when we get to that part of the of the roster. But you know, really, he's the key slot guy unless you count Tyler Lockett, um, you know, moving inside. uh, And so I could see him getting some snaps here. Interesting,
0: yeah. So before we get to the roster, today's kind of the the look at the roster, the reaction show to the moves made over the weekend and continuing to be uh, moved up until just a few minutes ago um, before we started recording. Um, So we'll get to all that, absolutely. Let's talk about the comings and goings though, overall. In the last few days, um, I guess the number one thing, just to get this out of the way, is uh, no Clowney. So we finally figured out that whole sweepstakes, if you will, and um, you know uh, everyone kind of knows about the news by now, I'm sure. But um, it, it has been reported that the Seahawks gave uh, Clowney um, up to sixteen, sixteen and a half million dollars with incentives an offer back, and maybe it was eighteen. million or something like that back in March Clowney refused that number went down to 15 million plus change uh, after the draft Clowney refused that number went to 12 just uh within the last few weeks and that's when Clowney really started getting serious about shopping and uh, got the Titans really involved and then uh New Orleans and maybe another team I think Baltimore maybe Mm -hmm. and um and it turned out that he chose the Titans for $12 million plus $3 million plus in incentives. And um, I'm not sure if Seattle had an opportunity to match that or not. Uh, it was always said that they would have that opportunity. So either they declined, Seattle declined, or Clowney just didn't get them involved to, at that point. So uh, regardless, uh, I just want to make that clear because there's a lot of stuff out there about Seattle didn't come up to the table and, and make make him an offer and it ruined our season because now we don't have a pass rush and blah, 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 blah. Come on. It takes two uh, in a party um, of negotiations to uh, to accept a contract. And if Clowney didn't want to be here or Clowney thought he was going to get something else or have a different situation that would give him an opportunity down the road to, to make more money or whatever, uh, Seattle just wasn't in that picture. And so... You just have to move on as a franchise. And I think Seattle has. Um, the The question for me is, you know, what's going to go on at defensive tackle? Do you have anything to say about Clowney before we kind of get out of that?
1: Well, I think, I mean, you look at it, he misread the market. He thought he was yes. going to get 24. And the Seahawks were offering, you know, somewhere between 16 and 18 is what was reported. And he was like, no, I'm going to get 24. Um, but that meant, Never materialized. And by the time I think he realized that it wasn't going to happen for him, the Seahawks had gotten tired of waiting and had signed Irvin and Mayoa, And now we're offering 12 because that's what they had left. Um,
0: Well, and that's where the market dictated. I mean, it did. I mean, 31 other teams. Uh made the same decision Seattle did.
1: Yeah. And and so and then he was basically hit I think he was sitting there waiting. He's like, Okay, I'm gonna get teams are gonna get to training camp and somebody's gonna get hurt. You're gonna see Vaughn Miller go down with a torn ACL and the Broncos are like, Oh, we gotta get someone right now. Um or you know, something like that happen. Um <clears throat> and then he's like, okay, so I'll be able to take advantage of that situation and get 16 instead of 12. Um, and that never happened. And so he ended up waiting and waiting and and the Seahawks never came up with their offer. And um, he got some other teams involved, the Saints and the Ravens, both, uh, you know, started talking with them. And then eventually the Titans were like, okay, we'll give you 12 plus three in incentives. And That gets him to 15. He's probably going to make 14 of the, you know, on that deal. Unless he gets injured. Unless he gets injured. But yeah, I mean, the 14, um, as far as like the likely to be achieved incentives, uh, incentives, um, I think seems reasonable for him. And that's better than the 12 he would have gotten in Seattle. So
0: do you think Seattle made a a mistake by not coming up and uh, matching any and all offers and having Clowney in house uh, with this defense?
1: it's hard to tell. I mean, if they could have got him at 12 and if that was the point and they could have been like, okay, instead of 12, let's make it 13 and get him in, in," um, then you do that. But I don't think that would have gotten it done. And at 15 or 18, uh, the market, didn't. we could have gotten
0: Everson Griffin for six. Yeah. So
1: that, that to me is a much better bargain.
0: Yeah, what what is going on with that? So they must feel real confident with their roster. I mean, you know, and in addition, we're carrying three defensive tackles on the roster. Uh, now, for me, and I've been around this game for a long time, uh, that's the largest mistake of the entire offseason because they went into the offseason literally t- saying out loud, this is the most important thing. Uh, to address during the off-season as the defensive line and being able to rush the passer, et cetera. And then they went out and gave Irvin a 32% raise to come here. I'm not sure that he needed to have that raise to, to get here, but they gave him that money. They brought in Benson, Benson Mayowa, who had a great year, but he's always been a rotational guy, never had more than 40% of snaps in his career. And then, th- and then they went and drafted a couple young guys, of which they knew um, that Daryl Taylor was probably not going to be a go. You know, they there was indications that that was going to be a long rehab early on, and it's and it's proven out to be that way. And then they really didn't grab really anybody else. Um, so it's it's confounding to me. Not only that, but they didn't grab any defensive tackle to take the Al Wood snaps. So now you've got a defense that potentially will struggle rushing the passer. I'm not going to say they will because on paper i think they have a good chance too but it might be tough early going and then uh where are they going to stop the run i mean for me that's the thing uh is stopping the run i yeah, mean I'm that's a really I'm, pillar of the defense and they're I'm not, not gonna be able to do I'm it i'm not
1: worried about them stopping the run because you have uh the two defensive tackles that you have experience are both good at that and then you add um you know a 350 pounds nose tackle as your your backup guy. Um, they're going to be able to uh, load up that middle of the line, and then it's just a matter of, you know, you know, Rashim Green and and Collier. They're at Five Tech. They're going to be able to stop the run. Um,
0: well, just to be clear, Anthony Rush isn't even official on the practice squad yet. So I'm just making that statement.
1: Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, you have, um, you're going to be able to uh, stop the run. I, I I I'm not I'm not as worried about that. Um, what I'm worried about is you only have three defensive tackles. What so? What if one of them gets hurt? You know, they go out week one, and um, Brian. Well, they've got and Lattimore rolls and, and rolls and apparently an ankle.
0: Rush on the pack, practice squad. True, so, I mean, but you know what I mean.
1: Like you, for the rest of the game, you have you, those two guys. The two guys that are left have to play every single snap. That's yeah, it's,
0: it's it doesn't seem to be the the right solution, but maybe they're just making it through this week and after uh, next week, when there's no guarantees on vet contracts that they pull the trigger on somebody. i maybe that's what they're waiting for. Um Let's go through the the rest of the kind of ins and outs of the roster in the last few days. Nick Ballor was cut. Then he was resigned mm-hmm. in his place on the uh, Phil Haynes uh went to in, injured reserve. He's out a minimum of three weeks. Rashad Penny to the pup list. We knew that was gonna happen. He's gotta go at least six weeks before he can begin to practice. So he's likely out, you know, a couple weeks longer than that.
1: Where did you get three weeks for Haynes? Um
0: because he goes on the on the list that's a um it's like the I I thought it was the there's a there's a special reserve um list this year, isn't there? I know that uh, it's just for, COVID, for COVID, but there's a special um, I thought it for was, COVID. I thought it was also included for veteran players that are injured past the roster. Um, this w- went through the, the initial cut down and then added to injured reserve could be See, added to a short list
1: rather than it being eight. They moved it down to six. I did. I don't know where three, I haven't heard that. So for me, I'm thinking. Okay, I need verification. He's going to be out six six weeks. Um, But so nobody was, no one else was going to sign Nick Bolar. He's correct, fullback ish. He's an emergency linebacker on a team with a lot of linebackers. Um, He's a fullback for three or four plays a game, but really, what he is is a special team standout. Uh, No one else was going to sign him, so they were able to cut him, knowing that he would be there 24 hours later. They could, um, re-sign him, which allowed them to get, um, Haynes on the 53. With the and, ability. Right. Yeah, and then right. place him on injured reserve so that he has the ability to come back. Cause if they'd placed him on injured reserve before putting him on the 53, he's done for the year.
0: Then we've got, D.J. Reed, Daryl Taylor, and Colby Parkinson on the non-football injury list that can return um, six weeks again before they can begin practicing, um, Mm -hmm. and then they can come back anytime after that.
1: The only difference between the NFI list and the PUP list, uh, as far as going forward, is that the NFI list, technically, if they never end up playing, the Seahawks don't have to pay them, whereas um, if you're on the PUP list, they still get their paychecks. So, uh, it's, there's not a lot of incentive to use that if you're actually not going to like stiff someone, but, um, but that that's really what the NFI, uh, list is, is that the, the non football injury is that it? it's, it's the same as the PUP, but there is some stipulation in the, in the, um, CBA that will allow the team not to pay a player. Who got hurt? All three of those guys
0: uh, came into camp, entered camp with those injuries. Does that have anything to do with it?
1: Um, so so did, they
0: never played it down in tr- training camp.
1: So did Penny. But Penny is not on NFI, he's on PUP. Um, it comes down to when were they injured? Um, and, you know, were they on the roster when they were injured were they in the organization and the answer is no uh for those three guys they were they were not part of the organization they were brought in to the organization in an injured state and that's why they're allowed to be on the nfi list um but i'm just saying like as far as logistics go there's they might as well be on the pop it's the same thing six weeks then they can come back
0: seahawks kept paul richardson um, a week after bringing him in. That's interesting, only because of some of the other moves that they're making and so forth. I thought Paul Richardson would have a chance to stick around. He's easily the fifth best wide receiver on this group, but they chose to go in a different direction. Um, Seahawks claimed a Sam Edge guy, DeAndre Walker, off waivers from Tennessee, originally a fifth-round pick in 2019, hurt his ACL before uh, the first game last year, spent the entire offseason on injured reserve came back this year ready to go, and he didn't make it out of camp. So um, that's an interesting signing, uh, DeAndre Walker. I Potentially gives be- you a little bit of an edge uh, rusher.
1: Now they have seven linebackers, and one of them is not Shaquille Griffin, or sorry, Shaquille Griffin. Um, that to me is weird. Uh, it's weird to me that they would go with seven linebackers, and do so without Griffin being one and a, of
0: them. And a, including a guy they've never seen before in yeah. person. Yeah. Interesting. So. You know, we had talked about um, Shaquem being susceptible to being cut, uh, mm-hmm. not only this year, but last year. I talked about it as well. And I think that the consensus was last year it just wasn't ready. He would not going to give up on a player after one year. And uh, they gave up on a player after two. Now he did make it to the practice squad. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, they waived Lindell Stevens after the initial cuts uh, to make room for DeAndre Walker, and he was added to the practice squad thereafter. Um,
1: Stevens had a really good camp. I know it's not a name I, I, that people, yeah, are and he's a guy guys.
0: that's a slot guy, a true slot guy.
1: Yep, um, and it's good to have him on the on the practice squad because he's a guy that that I think can actually come up and contribute. He made the roster; like he actually made the roster. This isn't like a. Um, you know, just situation where like, oh, we had we had a spot left or anything. Like, this is a guy who earned a spot. um But then, yeah, but they, he's
0: still on the back end. I mean, he's still like one of the three last guys, uh, three guys you would cut. Which first. is
1: better than the three guys that <laughs> you cut before. You know what I mean? um True. So
0: yeah, he made it. He made it to the practice squad. It's ch- chances are, lindell Stevens will probably earn a spot. He'll be back to come back. He'll yeah. be
1: back, if not with the Seahawks, with someone else. He will be. Um, on an active roster fairly soon.
0: Moments before we pushed the record button, Penny Hart was activated off the practice squad to the 53 man Seahawks roster for opening day. They waved John Ursula, a personal favorite for a lot of fans um, that were kind of pulling for the guy, kept around all last year on purpose on the 53 so that he wouldn't be susceptible on the practice squad. Uh, to getting picked off, and he did not. He made it through the first initial. Welcome to the fifty-three man roster, and then um, bad news a couple days later. So, what do you think about Penny Hart and John Ursua?
1: Well, I mean, they bring very different skill sets um, to the team, and the team decided that they wanted to go with Penny Hart's um, skill set. Um, at, you know, on the on the active roster for week one. But why don't you make that decision on Saturday? Why wait till now? Um, that's the that's the part to me that that was weird. Is you made the decision that it was going to be Urso on the roster and Hart on the practice yeah. squad when you made the fifty three? It, it would have made why would have you, made more sense if they would have now
0: if they would have uh, cut a different player from a diff- different position group. Mm-hmm. It would have made more sense.
1: Yeah, I just don't I don't get why you you set the roster one way and then two days later you change your mind and decide to flop spots. Because ursula I mean he just got cut. Uh or waived. He wasn't really cut. He was waived. If he passes through waivers, they can sign him to the practice squad and you and they will. Um uh, that's that's a um that's a given. But uh I don't understand the thought process here of making a decision and then changing your mind two days later. Um, And we'll have to see. I mean, maybe there's more to it. Uh, Ursua did have a, a a pulled hamstring for most of training camp. So therefore he didn't get an opportunity to really come out and show and all of that stuff. Um, Maybe there's something to that, but he wasn't waived with an injury designation. Um, So maybe he's not um, injured. So I don't know. Maybe it's, it was a matter of, they knew Penny Hart would make it through waivers. Well, and... he wasn't
0: waived with an injury designation.
1: Yeah. That's what so. I mean, he wasn't. So, um, so we, we don't, we have to assume that he's healthy now. Um, and so maybe it was one of those things where they knew that Hart would make it through waivers. So they didn't like care. Um, and they, they did that, but then it gave them an opportunity to figure out where Ursula was in his readiness to uh, help in week one and they've made the decision that he isn't going to be ready. So let's go ahead and, and make the switch. So that we so that can that did,
0: play. that did give Seattle a, uh, a, a guy that can play multiple spots. So he's got enough speed to, to play on the outside, but he's only five foot eight. And this guy is a, a little lightning in a bottle type player. Mm-hmm. Um, so very shifty, very fast, can play in the slot. That's probably where they'd use him. He also has the ability to return kicks and punts. That's where I
1: think this move happened was uh, I believe they made a decision on based on the special teams punt and kick return duty. And Urs was not going to be that guy. I mean, he could, be, he could do punts, but he doesn't have the speed to do... Uh, to be a kick returner, Hart does. And so they've
0: uh, just just FYI, uh, Seahawks. And I've got a couple of interesting tidbits here to talk to you about. But the Seahawks came out with their depth chart, unofficial quote unquote depth chart. A uh, few just within the last half hour, they've got uh, Tyler Lockett as the number one kick returner and punt returner still this year. That surprises me a little bit. Mm-hmm. They've got um, David Moore backing up both of those. Okay. Um, so it's interesting that Penny Hart would come up. Um, maybe, maybe something's going on with Tyler Lockett a little bit where they don't want him to return this week. I don't know. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. It'll <clears throat> be interesting. Maybe
1: it's just they want they want to have a backup um, in case something happens to Lockett that they're not. Because David Moore. Well, Am-
0: Amadi is a, the third guy.
1: Yeah. Uh, Moore is serviceable.
0: Yeah. No, he's sure handed, but he's not going to be dynamic.
1: No. Yeah. He's not a dynamic athlete. He's not going to do anything. Whereas you get a guy like Hart with that kind of speed and, totally. and whatever. And he can.
0: Well, and he's so small. It's like he can run right under you. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Not, not, nothing against short guys, but woo, this guy. I mean, you watch him on film, and I did just a little bit ago just to see again. And he's just a little short, shifty guy. Mm-hmm. I think he's a buck 85, 5'80, eight, buck 85 type guy, you know, but he's. He's pretty stout 185, you know. So he looks like a little bowling ball out there. It's kind of funny. So we'll see. I got another one for you, though, before we move on to anything else. We'll talk about the roster, and we'll talk about the practice squad. Um, on that uh, depth chart, they had LJ Collier beating out Rashem Green for the base defensive end spot in the, with the starters. Yeah, we'll
1: see. I don't buy it. <laughs> um they
0: had Rasheem Green as the number 2 guy in the in the rotation behind LJ Collier. That just I thought that was curious, you know. That's everything very else curious. everything else on the roster on the um on the depth chart looked normal. Mm-hmm. But that was the one thing I saw that completely stood out.
1: So the only thing that I would say about this with that depth, that depth chart on the on the um official uh Seahawks website is something I learned when I was covering the team. That is put out by the media by the PR department. department. Yep. yep, not the coaches. They, Correct. The coaches absolutely actually don't put have any input in it. They don't care. That is put out there entirely by the media department. I did say unofficial. Um, in order to, it's basically for fans like us to look at and be like, "Hey, we have this information," um, and the coaches don't want to be saddled with having to keep this thing updated. They have it, and they don't need to be doing this that thing for fans. They leave that to the PR department who handles it. I mean, they try they do their best, and they watch practice and they they get an idea for it. but uh there's some things on there that have been very wrong in the past, and um yeah we'll see we'll see I mean we'll see
0: so practice squad sixteen players this year. Um, Seattle had lots of uh, players waived over the weekend. Fifteen of those guys out of sixteen spots are Seahawks that they waived. Mm-hmm. So we've got a lot of guys that are coming back familiar names. I'll just go through those really quick. Uh Danny Etling ended up beating out Anthony Gordon for the third quarterback spot on this roster and made it to the practice squad.
1: So Anthony Gordon, um, in the second scrimmage, pretty much played himself out of a job. He uh <clears throat> had two interceptions, one for uh, a touchdown going the other way, and only had four completions, and looked completely lost. And that was at it was at that point that Etling became available on waivers, and the Seahawks went and got him. And really, it became a. The team was not not was no longer comfortable with Gordon as the third quarterback because he had played himself out of a job, uh, and so that's not really unfortunate because Gordon has the talent to be an NFL quarterback. He needs to work on his footwork, and clearly something did not click as far as the offense with him. But his tape is one of of a guy that has the physical and mental tools um, to be an NFL quarterback. So I think he'll, he'll land somewhere.
0: It's a tough year, Keith. I mean, only 16 players switched teams after cut downs. Yep. So almost everybody went back to their team's own practice squads. Um, we were one of the very few, uh, Deandre Walker off waivers, Mm -hmm. um, one of 16 players to, to, to out of all the cuts. And we're talking 20, you know, what is it 24 17, 26 17 cuts players, per team
1: no 27 play, yeah 27 players pulled per team there's 32 teams that's a lot of players that just That's got a cut. lot of
0: players that just got cut and only 16 individual players switched teams to to land on other people's practice squads or on their 53-man rosters so yep. um, so as far as anthony gordon goes Uh, It's going to have to be a pretty unique situation for him to land on another practice squad. Maybe Seattle brings him back. Practice squad rosters changed uh, multiple times over the course of the season, so we'll see what happens. But I thought that was pretty interesting. All right. Wide receiver Cody Thompson. He had a great camp early, got her injured. They kept him onto the practice squad. Lance Lenore, a guy we picked up um, midway through camp. Um, Wide receiver? Penny Hart, I, he was on my list, so I just said it out loud, but he's now back to the 53. Aaron Fuller, wide receiver. Um, we're hoping to get John Ursua back there. Tyler uh, Mabry, tight end. They were really impressed with Tyler's overall game. Uh, not only a great blocking tight end, but apparently he did enough in the passing game where they're pretty excited about this guy. So we'll see what happens. You know, Greg Olson's on a one-year contract. Uh, Wilson's um, on a one-year deal. And Disney, uh, you know, has some injury issues over those first two years. So a guy like Tyler Mer, uh, Mabry on the practice squad makes a lot of sense. Tight end Stefan Sullivan is on there as well. There was a uh, talk early in camp whether he was going to be a wide receiver or tight end. They made him a tight end, even though Pete Carroll said he's a wide receiver after the draft. And um, so we'll see. It'll be interesting to follow him, too. I'm excited to have him st- stick around because I think he's got a lot of upside. A big, big guy, too. Uh, offensive tackle, Tommy champion, Chad Wheeler, offensive tackle, both back under the practice squad. Uh, Chad Wheeler spent time there last year. Tommy champion came in as an undrafted, uh, rookie free agent. So good on him. Cedric Lattimore, defensive tackle, another undrafted guy. Uh, Shaquem Griffin made it to the practice squad. So everybody's excited about that. He's getting another opportunity, hopefully at some point. Uh, again, uh, to reiterate, uh, teams can bring two players per week up to the uh, the active roster, and then they automatically revert after the game back to the practice squad. So uh, it seems likely that he might be one of those candidates only because of his special teams qualities. Uh, Jason Stanley, cornerback, uh, he was kind of an upside guy, originally a wide receiver out of Georgia, I believe, mm-hmm. um, uh, converted to cornerback uh, and... Um, so they want to keep him around to see if they can evaluate him, uh, further. Gavin Helslop, cornerback, Lyndon Stevens, cornerback who we've talked about before. And Ryan Neal, that big guy, big, fast, long guy. Uh, I think he's like six three, two hundred and nine 209 pounds or something like that. They had him playing a lot of safety in camp. We had him originally as a, being a corner. Uh, so they might be switching him, um, you know, uh, throughout this process to kind of, uh, be a, a safety at some point. So that's it. And then the guy that was uh off of another team as well, um, in addition to DeAndre Walker, we ended up picking up Anthony Rush, a 350-pound, 6'5 behemoth of a human being to play defensive tackle. Um, he actually has a little bit of experience too. He was with Oakland originally. Then he uh appeared in nine games with Philadelphia last year, had nine tackles and two pass bat downs. Um so here's a guy with a little bit of upside wouldn't surprise me at all if Anthony Rush is one of those guys that's activated to the to the fifty three as well, just because of our depth issues at, at defensive tackle. So, what do you think overall of that group?
1: I mean, I like the group. You got you've got a lot of um, players that the team knows well because they were here in town. Um, the thing that that interested me was the guys that weren't on that list. Um, Demarcus Christmas comes to yeah. mind. Uh, a yeah. sixth round pick a year ago missed last year because of injury, a lot of expectation for him to come on and provide a pass rushing interior uh, presence on the line. And not only did he not make the roster, they didn't even bother to sign him to the practice squad. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, there was
0: only five guys that didn't make the the roster that they didn't bring back.
1: Mm-hmm. And one of them was, was Gordon and one of them was Christmas and, Um, Those are the types of, of, of moves that, uh, you know, you look at and you're like, Hmm, that's very interesting to me. Uh, And we'll see what happens. Especially the
0: other defensive tackle too, PJ Johnson. So when you take a look at both those uh, defensive tackles, you're, you're looking at one of the weakest defensive tackle uh, groups in the NFL with the Seahawks behind, you know, especially behind what they've got as starters uh, Ford and Reed Um, and you can't you can't penetrate that roster, or make enough of an impression to stick around and then they don't keep you on the practice squad. That's, that's not
1: good. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a, um, that's definitely an indictment on, on their, their training camp. <laughs> so. Um, and yeah. our
0: scouting, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, kind of. You mentioned, you mentioned Anthony Gordon, Chris Miller was another guy I'm surprised. Didn't end up landing back onto the practice squad, but maybe they like the upside of Ryan Neal better at safety than they do of Chris Miller at safety. So we'll see. Um, and then uh DeBion Renfro was the last guy on that list, that cornerback. Um, I thought he had some upside. He's got some pedigree in his last name and um, we'll see. Uh, but those guys are gone off the roster. Gone. Uh, Kyle Fuller um, guard uh, backup center reserved suspended list for two games. I highly doubt he ends up on the roster at all. They'll probably end up cutting him after this is all said and done. Yeah. And then Josh Gordon, wide receiver, who we did sign but went straight to the suspended list. It's an indefinite suspension at this point still. No word from the league surprising. Um, now that we're in the first week, th- there's no way that he would be able to make the game at this point, even if they made that decision uh, tonight. But he hasn't and, practiced. and uh, Right. So. Well, yeah, exactly. He'd have to go through protocol, all that stuff. So mm-hmm. um, it'd be nice to be able to get that done. Uh, I don't know who... Uh, on the roster, he would re, uh, take the place of. Uh, but uh, I would love to have him on the roster for sure. So, a couple of things too um, I, that I want to uh, say that don't have anything to do with the Seahawks, but could implicate uh, have have implications for the Seahawks down the road. The Cardinals are paying Hopkins a two year extension extension fifty four point four million dollars in new money forty two. Point seven five million dollars guaranteed. That's just two years, folks. That's crazy. Uh, Yeah, but we're
1: talking about oh, I know who's probably the the best or the second best receiver. Yeah, top three right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, depending on where you Michael Thompson, Julio Jones. Yeah, those two Hopkins. Um, you know, rank them however you want. Those three are the top three, and he's going to get that kind of money. I mean, you're looking two years down the road what happens with DK Metcalf, but mm-hmm. it's also two years down the road. We'll see what the That's market is. That's two years really down the road,
0: seen. but holy cow, right? And then uh, Kareem Hunt, running back for Cleveland, received a two-year $13.25 million extension with $8.5 million guaranteed. He's the number two running back behind Chubb. Gave him $13.25 million. That, to me, is a pointer to Carson because if, if a backup is getting that money, uh, what's Carson gonna want? I think Carson's probably depending on his year. If, if Carson has a really decent year, Seattle may elect to bring him, uh, keep him around, and it might be a ten million dollar deal. If Carson has some fumble issues this year and he he kind of barely reaches a thousand yards because he's splitting a lot of time with Carlos Hyde, um, you know it might be difficult for Carson to accept the fact that he's gonna have to make uh, make seven million a year. Um, so. This, this contract to me is, is maybe a roadmap for that. Uh, although it's, you know, he's clearly a number two guy, so it's, it's tough. That's a lot of money yeah. for a number two.
1: Well, back. I mean, Hunt is a number two guy, but they're one A and one B with him and Chubb. Um, and so yeah. you they can make the case that, oh, he's really a one. And so therefore yeah. it's, it's roughly the same um, as Carson because Carson, even though he is the main guy in Seattle, he doesn't get twelve hundred yards. He barely breaks a thousand because of his injury problems that he has he's had every year. And that's that's a thing. You know, I mean, luckily, you know, they got DJ Dallas and, and Hyde there to pick up the slack when he does get hurt.
0: Yeah, if there's the closest thing to Carson in the league, it's it's Chubb. You know, if 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 Chubb didn't have those injuries, Chubb would be like a fifteen hundred yards uh per season yeah. kind of a guy and he's a he's a brick house too he's he's nasty he's
1: good running back when he's healthy Very good. all
0: right player. so let's let's go over the roster so let's do the offense first um let's just start right at the top russell wilson so uh, geno smith russell wilson no surprises there i'm glad geno Yum. smith made it through the noise um geno smith is a good quality guy and a good quality backup on this team russell wilson to me keith looks like he's poised to have a breakout, if you can have a breakout year, a breakout year it's, as far as like an MVP race. Year,
1: it's hard to have a breakout year year when you were the uh, MVP favorite after 10 games. Yeah, after 12 even. I mean, 12, he, he even. Didn't, I mean he they were 10 and,
0: 12, 10 and 2, and he was right in there uh, at that point.
1: Lo- he lost it to Lamar Jackson down the stretch because Jackson just went off. Yes. But, um,
0: I've never seen a quarterback have more confidence than Lamar Jackson. In, oh, and for for his age and, and time in the playing, league and stuff. He
1: was playing so well last year. Yeah, it's, he
0: was scary. He was the one of the only offensive players I can legitimately say scared me last year in facing the Seahawks. It was just unreal what he was able to do. So, um, And then Danny Etling is on the practice squad. So at running back, mm-hmm. we've got Chris Carson. Um, glad to have Chris Carson back in the fold. It seems like he didn't miss a beat, even though he missed about 10 practices. Uh, Carlos Hyde is right behind him. That's a great one two punch. I feel so good about this running back room right now. And DJ Dallas really came on and was the surprise I thought of camp. Surprise the crap out of me, Keith, because you'd been blowing <laughs> his horn for a long time, right? Um, since, since he was drafted, and I just was late to get on board. But man, I'm on that DJ Dallas train. That's his team. And He clearly beat out Travis Homer as well for that third spot. And, um, yep. boy. What can you say? I'm excited to to be able to see him. We haven't seen him yet.
1: Yeah, we haven't seen him we haven't seen him play. I mean he, and he will be a guy who gets he will get snaps, he will get touches uh in week 1. It'll happen. He looks like he's going to be the third down back um and yeah, so it, which basically means Travis Homer's probably an inactive. Um for I would first, imagine. You know, unless somebody gets hurt. Uh he also looks like a guy that could eventually get cut when uh Rashad Penny yeah, is he's healthy. definitely
0: on the bubble. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially when Penny comes back. I hope and, Penny can come back this year. I you know, I'm written for the guy. I know he's been bashed and so forth. It's not anything that's really kind of been out of his control a little bit. Injuries uh happen. Uh he didn't come into to to camp ready. Um but but I think he is now mentally I, I want him to succeed uh, he's got the opportunity to come back. Hopefully, uh, I saw an Instagram post the other day that that he feels like he's right on track and just missed it the the ability to come back to to begin the year. And uh, Pete Carroll reiterated that too that he thought he would definitely be ready in a, in a few weeks. So that's pretty exciting for him. Uh, Keith, what do you think about the wide receiver room this year? The, um, the, the it wide seems receiver like room
1: was good, and it can it, it'll only get better.
0: I know. Well, it seemed like when we when we started this process, we had like 10 or 12 guys we all thought were just legit could make the roster, right? So you had your top four or so, and then you had a list of about six more guys that you could just kind of interchange back and forth. And that process is kind of whittled down now. But we've got some good guys on the roster, some good guys in the practice squad, and then we've got a guy that that uh, isn't even uh, reinstated into the league yet.
1: Mhm- I mean, you look at the you look at the talent that they cut. They've cut, uh, John Ursula and, um,
0: Cody Thompson, Aaron yeah. Fuller, Penny Hard originally.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I was thinking more along the lines of uh, Richardson. That's my brain just like oh, yeah. just skipped out Paul there for Richardson. a second. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, those are both guys that uh have very unique and um high profile skill sets that, that teams would love. And I'm they, really
0: surprised they kept Freddie Swain over Paul Richardson initially. Cause I thought Freddie Swain could probably make the practice squad.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's part of it too, is you've got guys here that are, there's a lot of talent there. I mean, Sullivan is a guy that was, um, highly touted and he's not ready. He was a project. They knew that when they, they moved up to draft him, uh, but they were bringing in a project in a good year to select a project because it was going to be easier to get a guy like him through waivers onto the practice squad. So, uh, but even him like that, he's such an intriguing talent that you're like uh, on a normal year, you'd be like, do they really want to cut him and expose him to waivers? But this isn't a normal year. And there's just a lot of talent there that has, you know, had to be removed from the roster because there's only so many spots. And that's why Penny Hart getting added uh, today is very intriguing because there is something there that the team feels they needed to have on the active roster for week one. And, you know, that's, he's the guy um, that they, that they did that and how he made the roster over, Paul Richardson is interesting. It's just very interesting to me. Yeah, I agree.
0: You know, and the and the fact, too, that they uh, reiterated their belief in David Moore. They made that decision again. He's on the active roster. He's here. Which is kind uh, of surprising. We, we know he's been having up and downs. You know he's disappeared over long stretches of time. But you know when he's there and when he's uh, fully engaged, he gives you something... Um, that that's really nice for like a fourth wide receiver. And there's, there's no question about that. Plus he can return stuff. He's not going to be a dynamic guy. That's going to take the ball all the way, but he's but got good hands. He's got good hands. He's reliable, He's steady. That's hard to, hard to manage mm-hmm. DK Medcalf, dude, if there's a player on this entire roster, other than Adams on defense, that I feel like is, is a surefire player to, to have a really great year he's just everything that i've heard and read and know about him from just his second half of last year this guy is going to really break out this year i mean we're talking like pro bowl level type stuff i i honestly believe that 1200 yards is within his grasp and um i can hardly wait
1: yeah i am last year we spent the whole part like right now leading up into the season trying to tamp down expectations for sure DK Metcalf because we were like, look, Seattle's a low volume passing attack. He's a rookie. This is a difficult, um, scheme for rookie wide receiver is just chill. He's going to be great, but great needs to have, you know, um, more moderate expectations. And then he just blew us away and we were like, okay, so we had all that, um, you know, trying to tamp down the expectations for no reason. Uh, now, my concern is that there is no tamping down of expectations. This guy is expected to come in and be an elite wide receiver. one of the I top. I think mentally he's ready. One of the top 10 guys in the NFL. Yeah. You know. Um, he
0: takes over Tyler Lockett this year as the Seattle's best wide receiver. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about.
1: and And that's going to be hard to do. I mean, Lockett's been great.
0: Lockett's a top 10 wide receiver.
1: Yeah. He's, I mean he's, probably, right I top, he's right there. I would say top 15. Um, I'd put him in, in the 10 to 15 range. Um,
0: Tyler Lockett's one of the most efficient wide receivers in the NFL. That's I'll, the just, thing. I'll just say he's that.
1: Extremely efficient. And he does all the kick and punt return duties on top of it, which make him even more valuable. Um, but, you know, uh, he, I expect DK Metcalf to eclipse Tyler Lockett and become the star receiver on this team and really be, it's going to be the Wilson Metcalf story Yes. in Seattle for the next
0: few years. Absolutely. That's the most exciting thing for me, I think is that Wilson and Metcalf are married now and they will go together, you know, in front of us, uh, and their relationship will just continue to, to, to blossom. So that's pretty awesome. Tight ends. Um, well, Disley's back, a uh, little bit of a surprise that he's just able to go straight out of the gate uh, after the Achilles, after the ACL. Um, it, it's a testament to his work ethic and his um, mental fortitude to get back, claw his way back mentally after those injuries to, to get back to the point where, you know, he's one of the two starting tight ends for the Seahawks. Greg Olson's the other guy. Um, What do you expect from those top two uh, tight ends in this offense?
1: Uh, Big, big things. Um, And just for the record, uh, the first injury for Disley wasn't an ACL. It was a patellar tendon. Oh, that's right. Which is a worse injury. It is a far more difficult recovery to come back from that than it is an ACL. And I know the ACL is like the um, thing that, you know, it's like, we all, When we think of knee injuries, right. like, oh, that's right. the that's, bad that's one. That's kind of where I went. Um, but the patellar tendon is actually worse. For him to claw his way back after that and be ready to go, only to suffer the Achilles tear, which I know I've said this on the show previously, very, very common to have a calf or Achilles injury in the other foot, other leg after a patellar tendon. Um, but, he, you know, and that's just happened for him. And for him to be back 100% ready to go, Week one of training camp. So he's been there, having a full training camp. This isn't a guy who's just getting healthy for week one. He's been there from day one of training camp. Um, is crazy. His ability to get in and get those workouts in and get that rehab in and build the strength back up in that leg is impressive. It's you just. It's hard to say just how. Hard it is to do what he's done to get ready um and yet he 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 stepped through and did all of it um I'm really, really excited by that, and the offense was significantly better with him in it last year than without him,
0: absolutely, and you duplicate uh, that skill set basically with Greg Olson, yeah Greg Olson, you know, and so you know, now there's there gonna be no drop off or
1: yeah. A couple-time um, All-Pro guy who you know can do everything. He can block. He can. Um, he can catch. He can run routes. He can. Uh, he's a leader. He's it, what was it, a steal for the Seahawks to get him. Yeah, um, I agree. Very and,
0: undervalued pickup.
1: Yeah, and and for him to be able to come in, those two guys are going to make it hard for the other two guys on the roster to get on the field because they're going to be playing a lot. The Seahawks are going to be playing a lot of. Uh, 12 personnel, which means one running back, two um, tight ends. And they'll do that a lot. And those guys will both be on the field a lot. Uh, with what does that say
0: past. about Jacob Hollister? Um, not so much Luke Wilson. Um, Luke Wilson might even be inactive on, on game day. Mm-hmm. Uh, although he's a great special teams guy too. Um, but Jacob Hollister showed us last year that he's got some, some real upside and that Russell Wilson trusts him. Um, and that's huge uh, in this offense. I can't understate that. Um, Jacob Hollister came with like, uh, in 10 games or whatever, 11 games, had 45 receptions for, you know, 600 yards and what, six TDs or something, like five TDs, yeah. something like that.
1: Um, it, he had, he was very productive. And uh, he's the type of, he's the guy who, you're going. You're keeping him off the field, and you're like, but why? He was so productive last year. Um, they're going to have to find ways. Could to get he him be? On the field.
0: Could he be as productive or more productive than our third wide receiver? That's going to be the issue. I don't because know. because you could almost play him in a slot type situation. Yeah, but
1: are you going to pull off the speed of Philip Dorsett?
0: It depends on how Philip Dorsett does with his with his foot. That's kind That's of a true. lingering issue, and
1: if you, Dorsett's you not. Know if Dorset's set's not healthy, then your third receiver becomes David Moore and you kind of know what you're going to get from him. And honestly, Hollister might be more reliable and more productive. Especially
0: um, that he, he would be covered by um, linebackers, mm-hmm. you know, more or less. And so that might be a, a mismatch that the Seahawks might choose to exploit, you know, during uh, the year, different uh, times. Top,
1: the top three cornerbacks are, why did I say cornerbacks? The top three tight ends, that is a great position group. And then to have Luke Wilson, who is your jack-of-all-trades that can kind of do everything and actually could play fullback if they had if they needed him to. Um, what do you, you know, do with Kobe
0: Parkinson? Like, Colby <laughs> Parkinson's on the injured list. He comes back, potentially uh, could come back after six weeks. Um, and then you, I don't know what happens. Because um, you can't. Him. You've got to cut Luke Wilson to make that happen, I think, or you, probably you, not Jacob Hollister. Um, you, slow you, wouldn't, play it. You, you wouldn't. You wouldn't carry. You
1: spend an extra. You spend an extra week getting him healthy. There's and, no rush, and, and in unless shape.
0: there's really a bad situation going on.
1: Yeah, and then you have two weeks before you have to activate them once they start practicing, and so you take instead of it being six weeks, you drag it out to to week nine. Uh, before you have to make a decision with him. And I think you slow play it as much as you can. Um, Just to see then, how
0: the tight end position
1: evolves. Yeah, because, you know, if if Disley gets hurt again, which would be terrible, I, I feel so bad for that guy if that happened. But if he gets hurt again, you need a guy. So you call up Parkinson. Um, you know, or maybe, you know, Luke Wilson's... Tyler Mabry, maybe. Yeah, or Luke Wilson's a guy that um, has... Had some ankle injuries throughout his career and has missed time. You know, maybe he's a guy that you know rolls an ankle, and you're like, okay, well, it's time to move on and 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 get Parkinson in there and and start working him in as a guy who can can be ready for next year and that kind of stuff. And you just kind of wait and see. I mean, if all four of the guys that you currently have are healthy and productive and looking great, and then you have parkinson waiting for a spot um that's a good problem to have right because that means Absolutely. you have five guys that you love um and you then you look at it and you go well olson's probably not going anywhere he's a starter luke wilson's on a one-year deal he is he's the odd man out and you just let it happen um but even then like you're talking about cutting a guy that He's currently the fourth tight end. Most teams have two that they like. And then one guy who's just taking up space. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> um, a four that they like. And yeah, when you combine to join them,
0: when you combine the tight end group with the wide receiver group and then the running back group, um, boy, this is this, this team is loaded. And um, yep. they've their done a great job skill of, of
1: scouting skill position and bringing in talent.
0: What do you think about the offensive line, Keith?
1: I think the offensive line's gonna be okay. Um, th- everything that I've heard is that uh Cedric Abu is um he's the swing tackle. He's the guy that that's gonna be the backup at both spots and he has looked good in both spots like they've played him at left tackle against the ones. And he's done fine. Um, so that gives them three, three player. They're they're three deep there, and that's and if you need a fourth, you've got, um, uh, Jamarco Jones who can play in there in a pinch. But you don't really want to lean on him as a starter or anything because he showed last year he's better off inside where he played at a high level inside and was not nearly as good on the outside. And then at guard, you've got. You know, it's sad to see Haynes not be able to, uh, stay healthy because he, he missed most of last year because of an injury and we both expected him to come in and push for playing time and then he got hurt and he missed most of the year and it wasn't until the playoffs that he finally got a chance to play and looked pretty good, but you know, it's the end of the year, um. And so it would have been nice to see him him fight for that spot this year, but you know the the Lupati is what he what he is. He's you know what you're getting. Uh, it's not going to be a very high level, but it's not going to be um, it's not going to be Jermaine Fetti bad, right? Um, and then D- Damian Lewis from all accounts looks has looked great. Um, it looks like he has, you know, won that starting job and.
0: He won the starting job the day after the draft. I mean, the way that they were talking about him.
1: Well, kind of, but he had to come in and, and show it right. They've Which got he did guys.
0: right away. I mean, there was no question. He did it right away. Right away. He
1: came in with a mastery of the blocking scheme and willingness to work and just soaking in every bit of knowledge he could get from Mike Solari, the uh, the offensive line coach um really took the training camp the way you'd want any rookie to and just excelled and and you know the the being pushed by guys like Jordan Simmons and, and that never really happened those guys all were like oh you're if you're playing okay well, let's move you to the left side and see you look over there because Lewis just looks like a starter and he just looks like a guy that you're going to count on. Um,
0: So what did you think of uh, um, Brandon shell at right tackle? I mean, they, they were glowing about him throughout camp. So my hopes are up that he's going to be completely serviceable. I don't expect anything more than serviceable. So if I do get more than serviceable, I'll be very happy. Um, But I just, you know, first week out, He's going to face uh, who's, who's the guy that, that used to be with the Rams now with the Atlanta? Long. Not that guy, the other guy. Uh, oh, Quinn. No. The Rams' main pass rusher the last few years. Robert I, Quinn. No, the other guy.
1: Oh, the I other can't. One. Now
0: I have I mean, to look.
1: There's a. Huh, let's see, the Rams and pass rushing defensive linemen. There's only been 800 of them. Hold on. I'm You're gonna... thinking about Fowler, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, Dante Fowler. <laughs> Man, he's going to have to face
0: Dante Fowler next no, week, so uh, we'll see what happens.
1: All of that was uh, me, basically. There was a point where the Rams' defensive line was as stacked a unit as you will find in any position group.
0: That's very true.
1: In the NFL. Uh, that offensive line, when you've got guys like, you know, Robert Quinn and Brockers and, and God, they just had so many good Aaron Donald and, Aaron Donald and, and Fowler. Long I mean, and, yeah, and then they, I, they brought Fowler in to replace Long and, and God, there was just so many good o- defensive linemen on that roster. And yeah,
0: they made life very difficult for Seattle, even yep. in their bad years. They were, they were not made Seattle hate them.
1: Yeah. So, um, okay. So you've got Dwayne
0: Brown, Brandon <laughs> Schell. Damian Lewis, Micah Potty, I'm missing one guy. What? It's kind of a, a special story, I mean, if you really think about it. It looks
1: learning. like Ethan Posick has won the job at center.
0: Which it, is, we would have never predicted this.
1: No. Because going into training camp, that job was B.J. Finney's. It was his job. They it was br- his
0: job since they hired him and in- they signed March. him
1: specifically to be million dollars the starting guaranteed. center. They signed him specifically to be the starting center because he was a very good center for the Steelers. He played more guard than center because, well, he was playing behind an all-pro. Um, Mike Pouncey. Yep. Uh, and But he he played both. He played both very well at high level was very good at center. They signed him to be the starting center and he just struggled to pick up all of the different cues in the running game because they don't play a zone blocking scheme for the most part in Pittsburgh, they play a man scheme. And so the cues are different. The reads are different and he just struggled to adapt to you the know. new system. I, I have and to tell you, though, like I'm, I'm pretty POSIC happy about
0: uh, for POSIC, A. B. I hope he can stay healthy. Uh, C. Uh, B.J. Finney does give us one more uh, guy that can play both center and guard. So I feel better about now backup guard. So before we had Jordan Simmons, and now Phil Haynes is hurt. Phil Haynes has been hurt before, uh, but at least we got a guy like Finney that could come in. Now, of course, mm-hmm. Jamarco Jones could slide inside as well. That gives them some options. Uh, But having a guy like B.J. Finney, even though we're paying him a ton to be a backup, I still think that that makes me feel better this year. And then Kyle Fuller sitting there got suspended for PED use. Um, And he's not back until week three, if at all. Um, So, yeah, overall, I don't feel great about the offensive line, but there's only one unit on the entire team I don't feel... uh, uh, better about, and that would be the defensive line. Uh, the offensive line to me will work together just like any year. Seattle really struggles a little bit in the beginning of the year, even if the guys have been together for three years. Um, so this new unit, I, I like the new blood. I like the new, uh, faces that just gives them a, another opportunity to go, uh, and be better together. And I'm looking for that. Um, Brandon Shaw is better than a Fetty. Um, Damian Lewis is better Than what we had before. Uh, I know everybody likes.
1: Fluker was. Fluker. I know
0: everybody likes Um, Fluker as a person. I take Fluker all day into war battles, et cetera. But Damian Lewis is a better football player.
1: Well, we'll see because he is also a rookie, which means he's going to make rookie mistakes. There's going to be some bad mistakes that's going to cost the team some drives. Um, But on average, play to play, he should be more reliable and fluker was and hopefully it makes up for that um and i it would be okay with that I'm, I'm
0: i heard that damian lewis's recovery uh meaning that when he does make a mistake he recovers almost immediately to to come back and at least get himself in the way um of, of a bad play so I'm not sure. I mean, I think uh, Damian Lewis could end up being one of those guys that's going to be around the Seahawks for about 10 years. And I hope so. I know that he's a rookie and he's going to make mistakes. Yeah, I agree. But I think overall, I'm excited about him more than almost anybody else on the offensive line. So let's go to the defense, Keith. Let's talk about defensive tackles. Uh, Jaron Reed uh, signed a new two-year deal. Uh, there were folks out there that thought it was too much for him, uh, based on his 2019 performance, which included a six game suspension. Uh, but there it is. He's making 11 million bucks a year to play, uh, three tech defensive tackle for the Seahawks. He's got the ability, uh, if he can get back to that 2018 form, which the team does expect and he expects for himself, we could be okay at defensive tackle. He could give us uh, close to 10 sacks. He could play the the run stoutly and he's he hardly rotates out of there. That's the guy.
1: I mean, he he spent his first couple of years as a nose tackle who was tasked with um, stopping the run, eating blocks, all that kind of stuff. And last year, not last year, two years ago, uh, 2018, they finally turned him loose at the three tech um, and said, here, go be disruptive instead. And he responded with, you know, 10 and a half sacks. It was a great year. Um Last year he had a six game suspension and he never really got going after that. He really struggled to make the same kind of impact. Um
0: And when he struggled, I think it made Puna Ford struggle a little bit, a
1: little bit because when he wasn't in there and it was Al Woods beside him, Puna Ford was better. Um, Puna Ford is a nose tackle. He is not going to be a guy that 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 rushes the passer he's short he's like 5'11 but stout and wins the leverage battle um, consistently in part because he's 5'11 and he can get underneath the pads of anyone he's playing against Um, but he's a guy that's going to be hard to move because he's got leverage not a guy that's going to dive in between uh, the guard and the center and 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 be disruptive. uh That's not who we do. Do you think the Seahawks should
0: expect more out of that position?
1: No, because that's what they entirely. We were ranked
0: what in in against the rush, pro football focused, advanced stats, DVOA. Had Seattle ranked twenty third against yeah. the run last year, and that was with Clowney, who's an excellent edge defender. True against it, the run,
1: it was with Clowney, and it was with Ford for part of the time, and. Reed yeah. and Al Woods, though the was time. excellent against
0: the run. He was um, he was the second ranked defender against the run last year. But it was also Sehawks.
1: with nothing at the other defensive end spot.
0: Nothing. Correct. Nothing. nothing.
1: And nothing at the strong side linebacker spot.
0: Oh yeah. We're talking Mr. Uh Kendricks. Leading the NFL and missed, missed tackles. tackles. Yeah. Kendrick. So yeah. I love Kendrick's, but he was not a great tackler.
1: Yeah. And so those were your edges. Those were those were your two guys that set the edge. And
0: Rasheem Green had an up and down year. And Collier gave you nothing.
1: Yeah. Um, but but your, your your two main positions for setting the edge is the seven tech defensive end on one side, the strong side linebacker on the other. Um, those are the guys that you depend on to set that edge, stop from guys from getting outside, and funnel the runner back, back towards Bobby Wagner and um, KJ Wright. And they got nothing out of those two guys. And that was where the defense fell apart uh, as far as a run defense. It was really because they yeah, were bad. Yeah, I'm and, very interested, A, how positions. we're going to
0: defend the run this year, and B, how we're going to protect our linebackers this year. I'm just not seeing it right now based on our limited defensive tackle group. But – yeah, I'm hoping that one of what these guys saw. that we're going to talk about in just a second will come through sliding inside and maybe mm-hmm. help that out a little bit now. Well,
1: I think uh, Brian Monet is, is kind of a wild card here. He played the very first week um, and played pretty well, moved, went back to the practice squad, sat there for a while, came back at the end of the year um, and played pretty well again. He was playing at like 365 last year. He's lost some weight. He's down into... Uh, around 350 at one point he said it was 348 but now he's back like 352 but he's a little quicker hasn't lost that anchor he's a guy who can be super stout in the middle Um, I like him as a run stuffer offer obviously he's going to offer nothing as a pass rusher but as a guy that can eat blocks not be moved fill a hole um, and make it hard for a running back like I think he's going to be good there. They need a pass rusher to come in um and and be that other that other position uh so that we, they actually have some push up the middle besides Jerron Reed. And that's going to be what you were were leading into, which is uh Rashiem Green and or uh LJ Collier. And I think those guys they're listed as a defensive end. They play five tech. They're gonna slide inside, rush the passer from the inside, the way that Michael Bennett used to.
0: And DeMontre Moore could can do that for you as well. Another wild card that you mentioned, wild card Brian mm-hmm. Monet. I think the, a guy to watch long term on this roster is Anthony Rush. And he's currently hasn't been officially signed. I think he's probably going through some sort of COVID protocol or whatever. Um, he hasn't shown up on the practice squad. That's where they said that he was going to land initially. Here's a guy I think that has more upside than Brian Monet, uh, not only from uh, uh, stuffing the run but also penetrating the pocket a little bit. He's at 350 pounds, and um, I would look for that guy maybe to make an impact long term on that situation. But yeah, uh, LJ Collier, Rashim Green. Um, I mentioned earlier, LJ Collier is listed on the uh, the Seahawks PR department's depth chart as the number one defensive end on the uh, Sam side, strong side. And we'll see uh, how that all works out because um, LJ Collier um, was really wanting to try to make an impact in camp, but it seemed like coaches were kind of giving the indication that he'd we'd be better inside and might just be the primary backup to to read overall and that Green would take primarily most of the snaps and then um, Irvin would come in. Um, as well on that side. Um, so it's it, it'll be really interesting to see how they mash that all together because Seahawks kind of blend their defensive ends, especially strong side, with their linebackers. Um, and they kind of rotational, uh, activate those guys on passing downs. Uh, so you'll see guys like DeAndre Walker, who's listed as a linebacker, come in. Bruce Irvin will come up. Jordan Brooks will come up, even though he plays the weak side. He'll still be activated because he's so fast and so quick, yeah, and he does have they'll that. They'll come up and, skill. Be, and
1: play defensive end for a series, or you know, a few snaps or, here or and a there, or a blitz stunt and, package, right? Yeah, um, they'll do stuff like that, and um, the so yeah, so their their defensive end rotation is got linebackers in it, and their defensive tackle rotation has defensive ends in it. Uh, it's all about getting after the quarterback, and if you can get a guy with the uh, quickness and strength of Rashim Green, uh, in there in the three tech against the pass, uh, he's gonna win in times when another guy won't. Now he's not gonna st- stand up against the run as a defensive tackle, but against the pass, you know, his quickness can matter. And yeah. so you're gonna see. And
0: Collier's like two hundred ninety pounds.
1: Yeah, so you're gonna see guys move around. Um, they they do that a lot in Seattle. I know it's it's. Um, it's just one of those things that you see more of uh, now in Pete Carroll's scheme than in, in the past schemes when you look at like um, under Holmgren or or It's
0: a 3-4 hybrid kind of a It is. A it's very
1: hybrid-ish in that they, they they do use guys in different spots in order to take advantage of their skills. And you can't just go, okay, well, this guy is a defensive tackle like Rasheem Green because against the run, he's going to get just beat up. Um,
0: And that's when he gets hurt. Yeah. That's when he got hurt in college, too, by the way. And when so he slid you, inside too much.
1: You need him to play on the outside a lot and move in occasionally. And that's what's going to happen. You're going to see him in there giving um, Jerron Reed some snaps on the sidelines because you know guys got got to only play 70% of the snaps if you want him to be at the at all effective in the fourth quarter uh you got to keep a snap count down and so you need someone to come in and rush the passer on third down you know you slide Rasheem Green or LJ Collier in from the um defensive end spot and you throw uh Irvin up from your strong side linebacker you bring him up to rush the passer there that's the kind of situation that you're going to end up with in order to give Reed the snaps off that he needs.
0: So in the off season, uh, Seahawks hired journeyman Benson Mayo to play uh, the Leo spot. Um, I don't know if they knew that he was going to be the primary starter at that spot when they, when they did that, but, but here he is, he still gives you a ton of upside. Um, I think he can probably produce pretty decent for you over there as a starter. And then um, behind him is a surprise addition to the to the team. It was a, a fifth well, a fifth round pick, right? Alton mm-hmm. Robinson um, kind of took the, the snaps that you would normally have seen Daryl Taylor take. Daryl Taylor came into camp, was not ready to go, still is not ready. Came uh, started uh, the season on the uh, pup list. Uh, so it's Alton Robinson getting um, some ro- probably strong rotation snaps this, uh, this early in the season, uh, I would imagine Mayo is probably going to, he may, like Mayo
1: Mayo is probably going to be the guy that's out there during the first series as the starter. But we'll see how it goes. But it's it's all about snap counts, right? Yeah. If, if Mayo is the starter and is out there for the first series, but only plays 40% of the snaps and it's Robinson that's playing 60% of the snaps, then who is really the starter? right? Who, who's the main player at the position? I could totally see that being Alton Robinson yeah. being there. He just offers you way more against the run. He's got a ton of ups, up, upside. That first step is just insanely quick. Teams and are he's gonna... been
0: showing. He's been yeah. showing in camp consistently throughout too. So this yeah. is something we may end up being able to count on, which is awesome out of that spot. We haven't drafted that spot very well. Offensive and tackles
1: then... are going to struggle. Uh, to get position against him because he's, well, he's got quick. great
0: counters already and it's yep. for a young guy that's hard to come by and, and then daryl taylor he's big. what did he come in at like pete said 175 and he 275. was listed at 275 and he was listed at one uh, 259 i mm-hmm. think out of, out of college yep and then daryl taylor um at some point we can get daryl taylor back hopefully and and add to that uh situation which would be awesome because I would hate to see the Seahawks give up more draft capital because Daryl Taylor can't come back and we need help. So before the um, trade deadline, we end up sending, shipping out, you know, a, a second-round pick or somebody for somebody to come in and help. Because here we are in a legitimate Super Bowl window with a legitimate roster that looks like it can challenge. And and our defensive line is, you know, easily probably bottom five in the NFL. Just on paper, on paper, which is hard. Which I don't is hard.
1: know if i buy that because I think that as far as nose tackles go, depth. Puna Ford's going to be, saying depth. We're, gonna, depth gonna be is pretty not high, high up go. there. The yep. depth is poor. I'll give you that. But um, Puna Ford's, you know, nose tackles don't get a lot of press because they don't get sacks and they don't build up a lot of stats. But their job is to dictate where the running backs run by – uh, changing what the blockers have to do in front of the running back. Um, and Puna Ford is one of the best in the NFL at that. I'll just leave that there. Uh, he is very, very good at moving the center and or guard into well, a spot that certainly forces the running back. He did a very good job back.
0: at scheming around Puna Ford last year because he didn't have a hell of a lot of impact in the center there because Teams were doing outside zones on us like crazy because Ansa was horrible. They
1: were were running outside zones because Kendricks and Ansa were terrible. And when they pulled Ansa, they put in uh, Griffin, who is 220 pounds. Right. You know, you're, you're not, you're asking. I mean, he, they wanted him to rush the passer at 220 pounds, and he was semi effective at that. But you're expecting a guy that small to line up against a 330 pounds. Well, I mean, the quarterback's going to change the tackles. play at the line of
0: scrimmage and run straight at Griffin. Yeah. If, if I was a quarterback, I would. All right. I, Let's keep moving. So let's talk about the linebackers, which is one of the most exciting uh, groups on the whole team. Um, this
1: group is good.
0: It's crazy. So I I thought that the Seahawks would definitely go into the season before the draft with Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, and Cody Barton being the heir apparent at the strong side linebacker. And, and we would still be awesome because we had already signed Bruce Irvin to play strong as well. And, and so I thought those guys would kind of split time because uh, Irvin would go up and uh, rush the passer and barton would be in there as well but um this group after the jordan brooks pick is is extremely intriguing now i know jordan brooks has taken some time to come along in camp um but eventually this group is going to be uh probably top five in the nfl if not closer to number
1: one brooks is probably the most athletic of all the linebackers right now um which says a lot with when Bobby Wagner is out there because he is an athletic specimen, but he's also um, hit thirty and is starting to slow down a little bit. Um, so I would give Jordan Brooks a, as the nod as being the most athletic guy. He just um, needs to learn. Yeah, and he's playing behind two of the best in the NFL with, with KJ and uh, Bobby. There, it he is a, going to be a good, a good player. He is. Uh, he may not play he may not play a lot of snaps these first you know four games while the team leans on the veterans a little bit but he will force his way into the rotation he will be playing uh significant snaps for this team
0: yeah speed and instinct is hard to keep off the field mm-hmm. uh griffin had speed um up the yin yang but the instincts well and just being out of position i mean is, is Shakim green should have been a safety because at least he had a chance to be on the field and not get um, dominated or over overplayed uh, for his position. But yep. as an edge or as a as a linebacker, he was always going to struggle taking on blocks
1: and um, yeah, getting was, himself open. He was smaller, and that's even before you get into the fact that he's missing a hand. Um, yeah, I'm but, not even
0: counting that. That's but, neither but yeah, here nor there, right? So,
1: but Griffin. Um, he was undersized for all the positions the Seahawks asked him to play. And his twin brother is a cornerback. Um, he has all the speed and all you know everything. He could have been a great safety, but he didn't play safety in college. He played middle linebacker. And so the team was like, okay, we can move him and use him as an outside linebacker. That's probably not moving him too much. Um, let him, you know, use his speed as a pass rusher and that kind of stuff. And just allow those instincts that he spent years developing to be helpful for him, but he was still physically overmatched in that spot. And they really, they were in a tough spot because athletically he's a safety, but he's never played safety. He played linebacker. So they were trying to let him be a linebacker. Um, I mean, just—it's—it's it's, its just a weird situation for a guy that's that that athletic.
0: Safety. Um, this this group uh, turned into one of the most amazing dynamic groups the Seahawks have had in years. Um, Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs, Marquise Blair—I mean, right there, dude. <laughs> that is Marquise Blair could probably start for at least a dozen teams right now in yeah. his second year, right? And then you've got Diggs and, and Adams. Um, Adams is gonna be one of those players that when you go look at the at the film, you're not gonna figure out if Adams is a safety or if he's an edge rusher or if he's a linebacker or if he's a, a slot corner because he's gonna play all over the place now. I don't know if he's gonna be as, as uh, diversified as he was in uh, with the Jets, where he only lined up like 80 times at strong safety um, for the Jets. I think he's gonna line up at strong safety for Seahawks primarily, yeah, but, but it's he's going to be all over.
1: It's there is him lining up at strong safety, but what job are you asking him to do within the scheme? Are you asking him to uh, drop into his zone? Are you asking him to, to cover a tight end? Are you asking him to uh, set the edge uh, against the run? What job are you asking him to do? No matter what he, no matter where he lines up. He's going to be asked to do all sorts of things. And yeah. he's
0: going to be the best player on the field when he does those things.
1: A lot of them, yeah. I mean he he is that dynamic of a player. He was an All Pro last year. I I think that we need to continue to state that this is an All Pro. It's,
0: it's hard. Tend. It's hard to get so amped up on a player we you know we haven't seen. I mean, yeah, we've seen some film, uh, some highlights, but he was, we're going to see him in action on every play now.
1: Those highlights came with him playing on a terrible team too. He did not have tremendous talent around him uh, with the Jets. And now, I mean, now he's got Griffin out there at corner. He's got Diggs behind him at free safety. He's got Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright at linebacker. He's
0: got Blair in the slot.
1: Or he's going to be in the slot and Blair's going to be at strong safety because those two guys can both do both. You've got... Ugo Amadi, who is now fighting for playing time, even though he looked like the guaranteed starter at slot corner coming in, but Blair has looked so good as the the third uh, safety that they're they're playing big nickel all the time, and they're not even using a third corner um, very often. They're playing three safeties instead because Blair's looked that good, and but you still got Amadi, who is an incredible cover guy for a slot corner, and. It, this whole the whole the whole system is designed around uh all of these guys are interchangeable. The one guy who's not in the safety room is Diggs, who's gonna place free safety and be in the back the same way that Earl Thomas was. But everybody else, everybody else can play multiple positions. Everyone else in that safety room can move around and do things that you wouldn't normally ask a safety to do and do him very well. And it's going to make opposing offensive coordinators throw fits. I love it. I mean, even though guy, the one guy who we haven't mentioned is Leno Hill. Uh, you know, he's a strong safety by trait, but the team has asked him to be free safety multiple times. And he stepped up and was better than Tedrick Thompson, the guy they drafted to be a free safety. Um, even though he's a strong safety in terms of body type and, and speed and athleticism, he was smart enough to get the job done on the back end. He's a guy that can do multiple positions too. And he may not see the field this year.
0: Yeah. And Amadi can play uh, free safety and in the slot. So yeah, yeah it's a great, great group. I mean, it, it may end up being my favorite group out of this entire roster. And then the, the corners you had mentioned um, Griffin. Uh, then you've got flowers and Dunbar. Um, Griffin's man, a pro
1: bowler. Um, Dunbar, all three are seasoned. Dunbar is a pro bowler, borderline all pro. Um, those are your starters. Trey flowers, uh, is coming off two years as a starter. One was good. Last year was less good. Um, but he, he did perform better down the stretch. Now he's got a lot less pressure on him cause he's got Dunbar in there. Um,
0: now, uh, Quentin Dunbar, um, So some more texts came out today that kind of further implicates him into that whole robbery scheme. Uh, I don't know if you read that or knew about that at all, but um, I don't know if they're credible or if it makes any difference at all. But the police department and the DA's office said it was from some um, warrant, not a warrant, but a... uh, um, they were looking into uh, Johnson, who's the, the coach guy, their friends, his uh, cell phone finally got the okay to go in and break into it. And they recovered some texts that further say that Dunbar was there and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, uh, here's, here's don't know if it makes any difference.
1: Is they They had months to do their investigation and ultimately came away with, we think he was there but we don't have enough evidence to get a conviction. So we're going to let it go. And now it's been a couple more, it's been another month and other information has come out, but even unless they get, it, it doesn't big, implicate
0: him any further than just being there basically.
1: Yeah. And okay. So he was there, but was he a part of
0: it? Well, well Johnson said that he, he and Baker directed it
1: quote unquote. Yeah, but again, it comes down to um, if the evidence was there to charge him, they would have I charged him. I totally instead, agree. Instead, they announced that they were dropping the case against him and would not charge him with any crime. So more information, unless it's significant, is not going to lead to them just changing their mind and pressing charges. So I don't see... Yeah, so and he clearly,
0: you know, in his short time in camp, um, was was the better corner. Um, and it is a great opposite um, side of the, of the field from Griffin. And when you combine Dunbar and Griffin, along with Adams, Diggs, and Blair, that secondary right there is... That might be
1: the best secondary in the NFL.
0: Is the best secondary in football.
1: Yeah. I have a hard time... I You know, go around and, and look at the other secondaries that people will say were, are, are really good. Um, until a couple of weeks ago, people would have said Baltimore, but they cut Earl Thomas and they don't have a free safety to back him up. Um, and just go around. Like I said, go around and look at all of them. You are going to be very hard pressed to come up with a more talented group of proven pro bowl or all pro level guys than what Seattle has right now. Is it the Legion of Boom where they had three All Pros? No, but they have.
0: They have uh, potential. They have they potential have, to get there. They have one, especially all, if they work together.
1: Like they have one they and a half together. All Pros and five Pro Bowl caliber guys, and that is. It's not just it's just, it's not just high quality. It's just the number of guys too. And then you've got guys that can come off the bench like Amadi and Flowers. And you know they can perform, so I think this this secondary is outstanding. To go along with the linebackers, the back seven of Seattle's um, defense is outstanding. But that front four, that front four is where. Yeah, if you all prove me wrong and me. it's
0: not back end of the NFL, and it's more middle of the road, I think we'll be okay. I think because we'll be very if, good if we can create. More than 28 snaps this year, which I think we can. I think we can get closer to 38 than 28. If we can do that, and we can generate, let's just say, 20 interceptions, or 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 you know, combined 25 turnovers, twenty twenty eight turnovers, uh, this defense is going to be good enough combined with the offense to get to 12 wins. And that's why I went with 12 wins um, in my prediction show last week, is because. I think this roster is good enough to do that if we can create pressure. I don't, you know, maybe, the, maybe it's not sacks per se, but it's just pressure, uh, disruption. Uh, mm-hmm. If we can get into lanes and, and cause havoc to create turnovers, that's what it's going to be all about for this defense is creating turnovers. When we create turnovers, we're taking the ball out of the offense and we're giving it to Russell Wilson. And uh, with this offense, I think that uh, if you, if you create an additional, you know 20 25 opportunities over the course of a 16 game schedule uh that's a lot and mm-hmm. uh and more often than not Russell Wilson's able to take advantage especially if it's on the other side of the field you know it's, it's if it's on the opponent 50 yard or, or in uh yard line we're going to score you know yeah. so
1: with these with that group of, of uh skill position players um and red zone opportunities Wilson's going to get his I mean, he's going to perform, and we know he's one of the best in the NFL, um, and now you've given him a bunch of weapons to play with, and if the defense can get him a few more possessions a game to use all those those weapons and toys, he is, he's going to have a monster year. He's got Cook.
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then we've got Jason Myers to make some field goals, and we've got Michael Dixon to flip the field. And mm-hmm. Tyler Ott to make it all happen. Yep. Um, that's the team. I mean, a couple. Of, we didn't talk about a couple of guys, but we talked about the guys. We talked about the guys that count. Yep. This is going to be a good season. A good.
1: Um, it's going to be good fun. team. Let's go. Let's go watch some football. We this need Sunday. some fun, don't let's we? Tur- turn Keith? the TV on. Watch some football. Enjoy some adult beverages and just enjoy the fact the NFL is back. Can we do that? Let's do that.
0: Taking on the Falcons Sunday, 10 a.m. The regular season begins. Um, I don't even care who the opponent is this week.
1: It I'm doesn't so, even matter. you know, and I don't even is,
0: think the Seahawks care. They just want to get as, in front of somebody and hit
1: as somebody. As much as like we should, we, it feels like we should be previewing the Falcons. Do we know much about the Falcons? Because with it's no preseason, about games, this, and they have this big turnover on their defense, including their defensive coordinator, um, they, they jettisoned a bunch of talent. Um, in order to get guys they thought fit better scheme-wise. Um,
0: it's all about Matt Ryan, really. You know, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a guy that really struggled uh, last year. He was under a lot of pressure. Um, it came on in the second half of the year. I think they finished 6-2, and two, which saved Dan Quinn his job. Mm-hmm. Um, but early in the year, they were awful, and yep. uh, we're catching them early this year, first game. So we'll see what happens. Um, see. I think we show yeah. up. I think we take it. Like I well, said on Twitter, I predicted like a five 30, start. Thirty-one yeah. to twenty um, you, was my my score prediction. game. Yeah, you had
1: game. them with a five and zero start, starting with the win here. I had them with a the loss, not for any reason other than I don't know. I figured they're they're not going to win. You woke up game.
0: in a bad mood. How in the heck can you get this team to 11 wins, Keith? You should be reprimanded. No, oh, I know. It's I get terrible. it. I get it. No, it's, it's, the NFL is hard. I mean, te- teams is. are more equal than we care to admit. And um, it's hard to win. But yep. the guy with Russell Wilson, he, he's a difference maker for sure. He really so. is. All right. So there's our roster. There's our uh, roster reaction show. And next week, we get to actually review a game. So we'll come back here next week and talk about the Atlanta Falcon game with you all. And uh, thanks for joining us. You can find Keith on Twitter at NFL. I'm at MW Seahawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook on Twitter. SeahawksPlaybook.com has all your shows where you can subscribe and find the show on any app and all that good stuff. Um, and please do, that would be helpful. And then we have a new YouTube channel uh, as of, a couple months ago. And uh, so we've got a few episodes on there. It's just kind of some scrolling images and all that kind of stuff in the background. But if you're a YouTube person and you want to listen to your shows on YouTube, you get covered there. So until next time, Keith, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks playbook podcast listeners. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at seahawksplaybook.com.